Welcome to The Brave Table. I'm your host, Dr. Neetha Bhushan, and this is your oasis for strengthening your mental and emotional fitness, no matter what life tosses your way. I am so excited you're here. Just like you, I wear many hats. I'm a former dentist turned author and serial entrepreneur, currently a mom of two, and a recovering perfectionist. Every week, we'll navigate brave conversations to support your evolution at every season and stage of your life. Raw and unfiltered, we'll explore all the feels as we unpack life's unpredictable moments, from the playful to the painful, the magical and the messy, and everything in between this epic human experience. You ready? Let's dive in. Hello, Brave Table fam. Today we've got an incredible episode. I'm your host, Dr. Neetha Bhushan. And if this is your first time joining, welcome to the Brave Table. Uh, today I want to talk to you all about something that's been, you know, coming up quite a bit in some of the episodes. And it is all around, we've talked a lot about <laughs> losing people. We've talked a lot about transitions especially in the episode with Kelsey, and I will link it in the show notes down here, but also in the episode that recently aired with Daniela. And for those of you who've been following my journey for a very, very long time, much of my grief journey and my loss journey, and I actually, I was even thinking about it, you know, that's, grief is probably one of the topics I get interviewed on quite a bit. And of course, including life transitions, because I've had quite a few life transitions in my day And what I want to actually bring to the table today is the time that this episode is going to be aired is going to be 20 years since my dad, my OG, the Leo that raised me. He was a Leo and he was probably like a triple Leo. Like he was probably not only his sun sign, but his ascending and his moon was probably, you know, full Leo. Like he was the lion. He was that tiger. He commanded a room and he left his home when he was young. He didn't want to take on the family inheritance from my grandfather. So he literally left India and he went to Nepal to begin his own entrepreneurial journey. And for more on that story, you can definitely listen to the episode on generational trauma. What I want to bring to the table is I did, I lost him 20 years ago. And, you know, it's such an interesting reckoning now coming full circle of the emotional grief that I had to continuously process. And back then I was, oh my gosh, this is going to reveal my age, but I was 19 I was actually just approaching my 19th birthday, right? And there's so many things because I had gone through the loss of my brother that was sudden death, you guys. And, you know, it's very different from when you know you are going to lose someone. Like my dad had that diagnosis of his cancer, which was stage four. It was inoperable. They had found a tumor on the side of his lung. He was a smoker for 30 years, but he had just gotten his life back together after losing my mom after a six-year battle with her cancer. And so this is literally throughout my teenage, my adolescent, like my waking years journey. I grew up so fast. And so the duality of 
the hard shit that we go through. And then wanting and desiring to actually just be normal. Like, I was like, I just want to be this teenage kid that is fitting in and that's not having to talk about, like, dead parents. And, you know, it's like that dreaded question at any camp that you go to growing up or any, like, new situation that you're going to growing up, right? You can only imagine. And that dreaded question of, oh, yeah, so what are your parents? Because I was also, like, you know, ethnically ambiguous. So that was, like, one of the first questions I would get asked. And, oh, where are your parents from? Oh, what do they do? You know, they're just trying to connect and, you know, bless them, right? But we obviously don't have a playbook of talking about grief and how to normalize some of those emotions. And in this episode, I really want to help you. If you have a friend, if you have a family member, if you have a partner that's going through some stage of loss, and it could be a loss of any kind, big, small, or maybe just a difficult season that you're passing through within yourself, having to reckon things within yourself, how to cope with the duality of the breadth and depth of sometimes paradoxical emotions and how to really normalize our emotional health. Because 20 years ago, I did not have the language. I was basically just trying to survive. It's not like we're really given a playbook on how to respond or even just have normal conversations when somebody's talking about hard things, let alone I didn't even have the proper languaging or even the words to articulate what I was really going through and experiencing at that time. So this is for anybody that is passing through a dark season or anyone who has a friend, a family member, a mom, a dad, a sister, a brother, a partner, a girlfriend that's going through a tough time, or maybe it's just you that maybe you feel guilty and you feel shameful for probably going through a loss or going through a breakup and all you want to do is sulk or you feel bad for not wanting to sulk all the time. And this was actually the one thing that I definitely struggled with because for so many of those years, my life was plagued with grief and tragedy and tragedy. I mean, these were like the craziest circumstances all within that span of five years. And I joke about it and laugh about it now because, you know, it's life, right? We can't take ourselves so seriously. And it's the benchmark of building resilience is to be able to poke fun and normalize like the shitty hard times, but the joy in chaos. And that is what I want you to land from this episode is that, yeah, there can be really tough times, but there also can be magic in the unbearable and the messy human moments. And it is joy that got me out of that place of just absolute anguish and pain and fear that I was going to continue losing people. And I would probably even go, you know, one step further and deeper to say this is that fear of abandonment kept coming up, which is why I chose the partners that I chose. I stayed in relationships way longer than I should have. And I tried to, of course, you know, the proverbial, like, let's fix everybody under the sun. That also was, you know, coaxed in on top of that. So I did have a lot of those codependent issues. And this episode is not about your attachment style. So what I really want to get to is how can you, if you are going through that dark 
space, allow yourself to grieve, allow yourself to set up time to actually move through those emotions. And now we have so many tools. And my really good friend, Regina, Mama Gina, she's also a business partner. She has some incredible tools that we talked about on her episode. And one of them that's actually listed in her book, Pussy, but one of them is this art of just being able to swamp your emotions. And so what she does, and I'm just going to share it with you because it's, I think it's just so fascinating, is she looks up playlists and she does this whole emotional release through movement and music. And, you know, it's one step further from what I teach you all in my books, Emotional Grit, because she makes it more fun and she comes from a place of pleasure first. And that's what I love to see, like, to be able to give you guys the tools so that you can test it out with your friends. And she's done this with like men's groups of, you know, big early men kind of swamping out their feelings, but it's such an emotional embodiment practice. And what it's doing is it's normalizing because there's a 90 seconds that she has you go through picking a song that's all about rage and the rage of your emotions and really the anger and, you know, but you're using it in a bodily practice. So you're, you're using like these crazy moves, but you're also picking a song that's kind of like, is it like Rage Against the Machine or something like that? But something like hard and heavy, or maybe it's like old school rap, but something that's going to get those emotions going. And ever since Regina's come to my life, literally, my son and I have been swamping and it's swamping the emotions. So we'll get like, you know, pillows and we'll start dancing and crazy, like jumping up and down on our trampoline at home. But that's one way to normalize our rage. And then we change up the song a minute and a half later, and it doesn't have to be perfect. I mean, you know, whatever, whatever feels good, but then you turn on a different song and maybe that's something that is more grief-like. So you can process that grief, the sadness, again, through a crazy nuanced, whatever movement, dance practice. And then you switch the playlist to a turn-on jam, which, of course, is my favorite at this stage of life right now because we want to end in a place of joy. We want to get to that joyful frequency. And how beautiful in that whole experience, and you guys can do it too, and I've loved this ever since I've got introduced to this, but I've done it in different ways back in the day, right? Before it was just, I would not listen to sad, sappy love songs. There's no way, no way, no how. But sometimes I kind of wanted to just listen to the old school R&B songs that like, you know, the end of the road, Boys to Men, shout out to Boys to Men. But it would make me sob for like hours and hours and hours. And that was a good grief practice for me looking back as to how I was getting a hold of my emotions and just releasing it or watching that, you know, like Hallmark movie of like, you know, that that romance rom-com. But now we actually have, and we can use this tool of swamping to really normalize our emotions and it could really go 360 all in a span of like five minutes. And yeah, was it tough back then? Oh my God, you bet. It was, there were days where I didn't even know what it meant and what joy actually meant until 
honestly, recently, where I remember vividly, we were going to pick up my son, Ajit and I, we had just moved, you know, to Austin and we had, we literally like, (laughs) I was pregnant. I had all of these crazy swirling hormonal emotions and we had just picked up and left and we left our nanny who became part of our family, Carla and her family. We left them and they were a big part of us in LA. And that was Ari's like main caretaker for most of his life. And I didn't know there was going to be a grieving process for my son. I just didn't know until it happened. And he was not taking to anybody else that would be around him. He wasn't taking to his new school. And I remember we were just in the car, Ajit and I, and we're picking him up from his new school. And it was obviously super chaotic because we had contractors in our home. We were also remodeling our home. I was very pregnant. There was just all of these things going on. We were starting a new business venture as well. And I just looked at him and I'm like, babe, this is the first time in many, 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 many years where I'm not having this like heart drop moment of like anxiety or fear that I'm going to get this like crazy phone call in the middle of the night because that was my low lows. My low lows were that low that for so many years, my nervous system was primed that any phone call was like going to trigger this emotional response. Whereas the shittiest things that I was dealing with at the moment were really big human life things. But I had said to him, like, I don't think I've ever had an experience this much joy. And I knew how to articulate joy versus being in that cloud of darkness and pain and sadness and this like glum in this gloomy air. So if this is you right now where you've had a hard couple of years, you've had a hard year, you've, you've had a hard couple of months, maybe you're just like in that pocket, in that window, embrace the subtleties in the days that you do have. Because even though I didn't really understand what that feeling was, I was able to still have moments in my day of magic. I still remember, you know, having a crush on a guy probably in between one of my like, you know, relationships in high school and in college. And that those feelings of butterflies again, those feelings of being desired by somebody else, it trumped my feelings of loneliness and sadness and the grief that would be overwhelming at times. So there is that duality of the joy and the sadness, the messy and the magical. And even going out with my friends to the mall, because shout out to malls back then were such a thing. And then you would go and, you know, sneak into the movies and it was R-rated or whatever. I was probably like, I don't know, 16 years old. But those were the fun moments, even though when I went back home, boy, was it tough many, many days. And if you are going through that season, you deserve to experience all of the phases of our emotions. And, you know, for some of you who have been in some of our classrooms virtually and some of our virtual campuses, you've seen me talk about the wheel of emotions. And it's given me so much more language, obviously, now that I'm really immersed in this work, but also as a mom, just teaching my kids about their emotional health, about it's okay to feel your feels. And I haven't had that sort of in-depth, like PhD on emotions 
Like I kind of knew it from a theoretical standpoint, but until I had my son and he was going through, you know, his twos, shout out to the twos, the terrific twos, right? And we came across this, this company and it's such a beautiful, beautiful company. I mean, as like an angel investor, I would totally look into their company to promote them even more because I bought everything that they had. It's called Gen Mindful and I'll probably put the link in the notes. The reason why I fell in love with this is it gave languaging and it gave posters and pamphlets for parents to teach kids about like embracing all the feels. So there's a time in toolkit. I kid you not, time in toolkit. So, you know, shout out to parents who do timeouts with their kids, which is basically putting them in a closet or in a corner and, you know, they're there for two to three minutes, not shaming anybody who does this. But I feel like there's a different way if you know better, right? I didn't know any better until I came across this. And so what it does is it gives these faces, there's like these posters of all these faces. So you'll have sadness and anger and confusion and happiness and excitement and love and calm and quiet and relaxed, chill, right? So all these faces with these emotions. And so my son will come in when he's kind of, you know, done something or he's his emotions are getting, you know, over him and he just can't control himself. He's like wailing on the floor, trying to bang his head on the floor and like slapping his hands and feet. You've probably seen that toddler in the grocery store at some point and the poor mom's like, ah, I don't know what to do. Girl, I feel you because I've been there. And, you know, the idea is just to let him write it out. Because I wish my, you know, family members in many ways really was like, Nitha, just, yeah, it's okay to cry. It's okay to grieve. Like, I was taught that, like, we've got to be strong. We've got to tighten up our emotions. Can't show anybody that you're, you know, weak or can't handle it because you can handle it. And you're so incredible and amazing, right? And so when we were able to have languaging around this, oh my God, did it feel incredible to then teach it and and pass this on to our offspring, to our mini humans. And now that he's three and a half, he goes to his corner when, I mean, not all the time. Okay. That's not perfect. (laughs) He still needs guidance, but he'll go and he's really good with his dad about this, but, and he'll go with Ajit and he'll say, okay, dad, I feel angry. And then he'll move into, okay, I feel happy now because there are strategies that he can do to emotionally regulate, like, you know, color or hug a teddy bear because of course, oxytocin when you're hugging a teddy bear, right? Getting into that right brain. So coloring and drawing. So we have, you know, a coloring station and with colored pencils and, you know, teddy bears that he can hug or music that he can play. We have a little tiny little piano in that calming corner because music, of course, releases endorphins. So there is this like neuroscience behind the strategies that we can do to help cope and normalize the yucky, crummy feelings that we sometimes have that is so good for our system because shout out, thank you to Inside Out for helping us normalize that. And for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, Inside Out was this Pixar movie that talked about the beauty and the duality of the highs and the lows. And there were characters that were named, you know, you can't have joy without anger and sadness, right? And so that was the name of the character, Riley. Shout out to Riley. And so I say this in this climate that we're in right now of feeling all the feels because boy, is it so incredible that you have this time and space that whatever you're going through, you can actually schedule that time to grieve, schedule that time to process that loss. I remember 
I only really reckoned with so much of those emotions after I went through my spiritual awakening, which was my divorce. And it was like, hit me like a ton of bricks. But it was also the most liberating and invigorating thing I'd ever experienced because finally I was allowing myself to grieve. I was allowing myself to fall apart and fail and get messy and just wail and all of these things and more and allow friends to see me in not the prettiest light, okay? <laughs> like it was, it was ugly crying many of the times, but boy, did that feel so good to emotionally release because trauma gets stuck in the body, you guys. And with these practices that you can do to release it, you know, from shamanic shaking to breathing, to meditating, of course, to coloring and drawing and just being able to communicate with somebody else. That was my experience. And for somebody else to say, I hear you, I accept that this is hard right now for you. And I just want to say, I love you for who you are and where you're at. And I just want to support you. And for that person who's on the receiving end that's doing the support, those are the three or four things that you could just say just for that person to be held and to be heard. And I get this question asked a lot, right? Like, what would your dad say, you know, 20 years later? And, you know, do you believe in angels and guides? I feel like he's been one of my guides for the last 20 years. I mean, I think we did an episode on ayahuasca and my journey of three days and really healing on a soul level a lot of my losses. And I, I think we talked about this at Burning Man as well. I'll link that in the show notes. I can't remember which episode it was. But wow, what a powerful experience, you know, psychedelics for me and plant medicine and psilocybin really has been to release a lot of that PTSD. And so I think so many of us have so many different tools and, you know, I had that glimpse and I was able to have this newfound relationship with my mom, my dad, and my brother, but specifically for my dad, because I was daddy's girl. I was totally trying to, you know, prove to him that I was the smartest and all of the things and, you know, nothing was ever good enough. And so, of course, I had my wounds by being that first, you know, Asian daughter in his house from a Punjabi father. But I think right now he would be just, you know, sitting down with me and we would be chatting and probably hanging out with his grandkids as he is probably in the spiritual realm, constantly looking down at us and cheering us on and saying, wow, what a life, what a life you've been able to live and how brave you are to really talk about these really heavy concepts that for many people, they just don't know how to grasp. They don't know how to fully be vulnerable and sharing some of those things, or they use masks and other things to compensate and overcompensate or really try to hold it all together. And what I want to just give you permission to is just let it all hang out. Let it all hang out. And gosh, I know it sounds so cliche when we say our kids are our best teachers, but really it has given me so much more languaging and even resources and tools because I want to be that person as a guide for my kids and the next generation that's growing up that will have to normalize the highs and the lows all at the same time. I mean, and the pandemic really brought that to light. Like it fucking sucked being stuck in our homes. But at the same time, it was like, hey, I don't have to go to that job that I didn't really like anyways. And I don't have to see the people that 
make fun of me all the time anyways. And what does that really say about me that I can't really sit still in my own home, that I need to work through myself, right? So it begged us to ask ourselves so many questions. So with that, I want to end this by saying, you've got this. What are you braving to normalize right now in your household, in your life? And perhaps you can give yourself the permission to just let it all hang out. Oof, so juicy. Thanks so much for tuning in, guys. Until next time on The Brave Table.